Praise God. Well, a few years ago, we started something here at Thrive. It's called Thrive Preaching School. And it's because we really believe that this generation and the generations to come are in need of people who are able to, with God's help and God's power, to communicate the relevance and the truth and the power of God's word so that lives can be changed, so that people can hear about Jesus and what he's done for us, so that hope can be given to people who need it, wisdom, perspective. And it's with that in mind that we created this thing called Thrive Preaching School. And today we are super excited to be welcome to the stage, uh, a very special student in our Thrive Preaching School. It's her first time preaching on our stage, other than the 9.30 service, of course, and she has a powerful message to bring us today. Carmen Huey, she is a worship leader here at Thrive. You'll often see her on the stage leading us on, in, in worship. She's also a small group leader here at Thrive. In fact, her husband Tim and her have been leading a group that just recently gave birth to two groups. And on top of, you know, speaking of giving birth, you know, Carmen, she's also the mother of two amazing kids. Uh, and so Tim and Carmen, they certainly have their hands full. And on top of that, if that wasn't all enough, they also have a very energetic dog. Uh, and so all that combined, they are definitely amazing shepherds people. They're amazing leaders in our church, and we're so blessed to have them here, and we're particularly blessed to have our preaching student, Carmen Huey, to bring the message to us today to help us unpack what it means to live all for one name, looking into the book of 2 Samuel. Could you please join me in welcoming our preaching student today, Carmen Huey. Let's give it up for Carmen. Thank you so much, Pastor JV. Good morning, Thrive Church. How are you today? Thanks for having me. It's my honor to be bringing a message to you today. Before I give you the title of today's message, let me share with you a story. When I was in grade four, one day, my math teacher was giving out the mark test paper. I was at my desk, waiting anxiously for my turn, thinking how many points I've got. When I got my paper, to my horror, I was one point below the passing mark. That was the first time I ever failed a test. Being a girl who barely experienced any failure before, I cried and cried through the lesson, through the recess. And my teacher stayed with me at recess, trying to comfort and encourage me, but he was getting nowhere. When the recess was about to end, Finally, he picked up his pen, crossed out my mark, and added the very one point I needed to pass. <laughs> now, if you're a teacher, I'm not saying that you should do that. But I think he was extra gracious to me. And he probably figured out that that was the only way he could stop me crying. <laughs> we all make mistakes sometimes, don't we? Some mistakes may be smaller, like failing one test in school, some may result in more serious consequences. My best friend's husband in Australia, he was caught twice using the cell phone while he was driving, and his driving license got suspended for four months. Now my best friend, on top of all the driving she needs to do, has to send him to work from Monday to Friday until February. Let me give you the title of today's message. How to get back up when we've messed it up. Today, we're going to look at someone from the Bible who has messed up quite terribly. Let's read 2 Samuel 11, 1-27 together. 
Do we have the Bible verses? In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Then David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, go on home and relax. <laughs> Uriah, after he had left the palace, but Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and asked, What's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? Uriah replied, The ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents, and Joab and my master's men are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. Then the next day, David invited Uriah to dinner and made him drunk. Still, Uriah did not go home. Verse 14. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, Station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest, then pull back so that he will be killed. And Uriah died in the battle. Verse 26. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When a period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to the son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. Here we see the other side of David. In the past few weeks, we have seen how God chose David to be the second king of Israel, and he was called a man after God's heart. We also saw how David, as a teenager, he defeated Goliath the giant with only a sling and a stone, and how he put his trust in God while escaping from King Saul who wanted to take his life. Now, this same David stole someone's wife, committed adultery with her, and killed her husband. There are some important lessons we can learn from David's mistakes today. But first, let's look at how, what caused David to get into trouble in the first place? There are three circumstances where we could be prone to sinning if we are not careful. These are three warning signs. If you see these warning signs, take extra caution. 
The first warning sign is when all things go well. It might sound ironic, isn't it? But let's see what happens here. The Bible says in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David stayed home and took an afternoon nap. When was the last time you took an afternoon nap? What a luxury! <laughs> At that time, David was already king, and he was so powerful and victorious that he didn't even need to go to war himself. He had Joab and the army, his maverick and Top Gun, a highly capable team to fight for him. That's when he lost his vigilance. So next time, when your life goes so well that you can take an afternoon nap, stay alert. <laughs> the second warning sign is when you can easily delegate tasks to other people. You may be an owner of a business. Somebody's boss, management of a company, or a parent. In your role, you give out instructions rather than receiving them. When we are in a position of authority, it is easy for us to forget that we also need to listen, to learn, to serve, and to obey God. Remember what our Lord Jesus has said: For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The third warning sign is when you are alone. One time, someone asked my husband Tim, "Why would you believe in Jesus?" And he said something like this: "If my life was recorded like a movie, I wouldn't want anyone to see it." I think that applies to us all. We all know how much easier it is to sin when nobody sees us. But the good thing is, you don't need to do this alone. Don't walk this faith journey alone. Plug yourself in a small group. Be accountable to each other with your church family. James five verse sixteen says, "Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed." The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Ecclesiastes four nine to ten says, "Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble." Say to the person next to you, "Don't walk this faith journey alone." Amen. Let's continue David's story. David covered up his mistake so perfectly, until one day, when he got a text message with three scary words: "I am pregnant." That's when he tried to devise a plan to get rid of Uriah. When Uriah was killed in a battle, no one would suspect a thing, but God saw everything. God sent Nathan the prophet to David. Let's read Second Samuel twelve seven to twenty together. Then Nathan said to David, "You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says: I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own." 
You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Verse 13. Then David said, Then David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. When David realized that the child was dead, verse 20, Then David got up from the ground, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Perhaps you are wondering to yourself, why would God let the child die for David's sin? We'll look at that more closely near the end of the message. But first, let's look at David. David, we call him a man after God's heart. He also failed terribly by sinning against God. While we strive to live all for one name, we too may fail sometimes. Hopefully, we can learn from David's example today how to get back up when we've messed it up. There are three R's I want. I hope you can take away from today's message. Three ways that can help us to get up again if we have sinned. The first R, realize that you're a sinner who needs a Savior. No one is perfect. The Bible says we have all sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you say, I'm not a sinner. I never committed a crime. I even do lots of charity works. Others may say, everybody does it. A small lie doesn't hurt. Just a small sum of money was the big deal. Everybody sleeps around. I can totally relate. I grew up in a family of no religious background. I was happy. I had lots of friends. I, after school, I found a job that I like. And I didn't lack, lack anything. From time to time, some Christian would share about Jesus with me, but I didn't think that I needed Jesus or any other Savior. However, deep down, I always felt an emptiness inside of me. No matter what fun I had or what enjoyment I had the day before, the next day, I would feel the same emptiness again. Until one day, I went to church with a friend. Somebody prayed for me. And I felt that my heart was filled and my burden lifted. And I have never felt so joyful before. And on that day, I received Jesus as my Savior. While I never realized that I needed Jesus or a Savior, and that my old way of life separated me from God, God found me. And He showed me that He was all that I've been longing for. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Death means complete and eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus Christ paid the price of sin by dying on the cross for you and me so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be reconciled to God. On the third day, Jesus rose again from the grave, conquered sin and death so that we could live a new life. Let's praise Jesus today. Say to the person next to you, I have a Savior in Jesus. 
Amen. I have a savior in Jesus. Earlier, we read that David sent a gift to Uriah. Have you thought about why he would send a gift to Uriah, and what kind of gift do you think he gave him? iPhone 14, a Porsche, a salary rise, or a promotion? Could it be that he felt guilty for what he has done to Uriah, hoping that a gift could somehow cleanse his conscience? One day, we will all stand before God, and there's nothing we can offer to God to cleanse our conscience. No good work that can help us to gain salvation. Only Jesus' blood can cleanse us from our sins, and we can stand before God blameless. Praise Jesus! <laughs> so now I have a question for you. What are you putting your hope in to get to God? In your own good works, or in Jesus' blood shed for you? The second R, the second way we can that can help us to get up again if we have messed up. Respond to God's word and repent. When Nathan rebuked David, David simply said, "I have sinned against the Lord." When the child died, he even went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He didn't deny his sin, find excuses, or resent God's judgment. He humbly accepted God's discipline and acknowledged God's sovereignty and justice in this matter. Later in Psalm 51, David wrote, "My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise." David repented. On the topic of repentance, a scholar puts it this way: True repentance requires true brokenness. Repentance is not asking the Lord for forgiveness with the intent to sin again. Repentance is an honest, regretful acknowledgement of sin with commitment to change. Repentance leads us to cultivate godliness while eradicating habits that lead into sin. True repentance requires true brokenness, but repentance is not only about feeling sorry or regretful after sinning. It requires an action. It requires you to make a U-turn. Have you ever made a U-turn on the road? Imagine you are going in a wrong direction. Unless you make a 180-degree turn, you will never arrive at your destination. Likewise, repentance requires a change of your mind and of your focus. Romans twelve verse two says, "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will." So, what does that mean by be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Yesterday, we attended a wedding, a beautiful wedding. Imagine you are on diet. You want to look good on a wedding, and in front of you are some delicious Korean fried chicken. <laughs> mm, hungry. <laughs> so it really doesn't help to tell yourself, 
I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. All the way, looking closely at the fried chicken. So similarly, if you're struggling with sin, it really doesn't help by keep reminding yourself how bad you are and keep beating yourself up. If you're struggling with sin, turn your focus to Jesus. Spend time with Him. Read His Word every day. Let His Word transform and renew your way of thinking. One day, before you know it, you start to appreciate and love God's way, and you never want to go back to your old way of life again. Amen? Amen. Praise God. His word renew our mind. Believe that because of Jesus, sin now has no control over you. You've been set free, and you are now a new creation in God. Woo! Praise God. Say to the person next to you, you are a new creation in God. Amen. True repentance is powerful. True repentance can make a turning point of your life. Since I was young, I like to fantasize about love and relationship. However, my idea on relationship mostly comes from the songs I listened to and the movies I watched. So I was usually in one relationship for a couple of years, broke up, and get into another relationship very quickly. I was in this cycle for a number of years. Even in the early days, I became a Christian. And I really, I didn't really understand that being a follower of Christ meant to let God take the lead. And at that time, Tim and I started seeing each other but we didn't invite God into our relationship. So our relationship was immature, worldly, selfish, and it did not please God. One day, we broke up. While I was mourning and praying, asking why it didn't work out for us, God showed me through His Word what love truly meant. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. God showed me his love through Jesus on the cross. And I was able to see how different and shallow my love was compared to the love of Jesus. God's love struck, God's word struck me, and I repented. But at the same time, God opened my eyes to see how patient and kind he has been to me all these years, giving me chances to repent. And thank God, a few months later, Tim and I got back together. That was not very long. Both of us learned something from the Lord. And this time, we invited God into our relationship. Now, we're happily married with two sons, and our relationship is so different with God among us. Praise God. <clears throat> True repentance gives us a new perspective. And help us see the goodness of God. Amen. Now a question for you. Is there one thing God has spoken to you through the Bible or through a Sunday sermon that you need to take action today? Maybe it's about confessing a sin to God, apologizing to someone, or making amends for a mess you've made. By the way, 
Don't trust the GPS if it tells you to make a U-turn. Trust God if it tells you to do so. Say to the person next to you, trust God. The third R is receive God's help. It seems natural for us to want to run away from God after we have sinned. This is our eight-month-old puppy, Reuben. Aww. <laughs> One day, he was caught chewing up his leash. And in fact, this is the fourth or fifth leash he has chewed up. As you can see, even the puppy wants to hide after he has messed up. Running to God after we have sinned may sound counterintuitive to you. But do you see why God reached out to David after he has messed up? God was helping David to clean up his mess. Sometimes, God's help may not be what you expected. One way God uses to help us is by allowing us to go through hardship and discipline. Hebrews 12 verse 6 says, For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Every parent who loves their kids disciplines them. Tim and I have two sons, John and Mark. They're 10 and 8 years old. We teach them, we guide them, we punish, oops, we discipline them because we love them. When God disciplines them, it just goes to show that God is not some distant God who has no relationship with us. But He's our Heavenly Father who loves us, who never gives up on us. And if you return to Him, He will help you to get back on your feet again. Amen? Amen. Now we go to that question. You might ask, why would God let David's child die for David's sin? So does that mean whenever a person goes through a miscarriage or a child dies prematurely, is God punishing the parent for their sin? Or punishing the child for their parents' sin? No. Keep in mind a couple of things. In the Old Testament, the mindset of people is that everything, both good and bad, comes from God. In a way, they're correct, insofar as if without God, there's, there wouldn't be anything. But as you read the New Testament, rather than emphasizing that everything, good and bad, comes directly from God, Jesus and the New Testament writers made a couple of distinctions. First, everything good comes from God. James 1.17 says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Second, when it comes to things that we consider bad, like sickness, sin, the death of a baby, evil spirit, or someone going to hell, these are not things God, that God wants, but these are the things that God allows in a world broken by sin where people are free to make their own choices and often wrong choices. Does that mean the Old Testament and the New Testament contradict each other? Rather, through Jesus and the New Testament, we get a clearer, more defined, more fleshed out picture of who God is. It's like meeting someone in person versus seeing them on a screen. While we don't always understand the suffering we go through in life, there's one thing we do know. 
God uses the suffering we go through ultimately to bring about good and to accomplish His purposes. And one of His purposes is to make us more like His Son, Jesus. In 2006, Tim and I got married. One year later, we, I was pregnant with our first son. We were overjoyed. We believed he was a gift from God. In my 24th week of my pregnancy, I had a miscarriage. I didn't believe it. I was devastated, and I blamed God for what happened. One day, Tim comforted me, and he said to me, There's no greater gift God has ever given to us than the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. And His word struck me. Through His word, God helped me see how great His love is for me by giving me His Son, Jesus. Even to this day, I can't say I can fully understand why God allowed me to go through a miscarriage. But one thing I do know, without feeling the pain of losing my son, I wouldn't have known God's love this way, His love for me, and His love for everyone on this earth. God used the suffering I went through to draw me closer to Him, to help me understand more of His heart and His love. That's why I can say to you, based on God's word and my personal experience, run to God, not from God, if you stumble. He's our, He's your heavenly Father. He loves you. He never gives up on you. If you turn to Him, He will help you to get back on your feet again. God is merciful. After His discipline to David, God gave him another son called Solomon, and God named him Jedidiah. Solomon and Jedidiah means peace and beloved of the Lord. If you return to God, you will experience God's forgiveness. Peace and love will be restored to your life as well. Praise God. Now I have a question for you. Is there an area of your life where you need to surrender to God and let, let Him take over today? Today we learn three R's. Three ways to help us get up again if we've sinned. One, realize that you're a sinner who needs a Savior. Two, respond to God's Word and repent. Three, receive God's help. I'll end today by using a quote from Pastor JB. A man or a woman after God's heart is not someone who never makes mistakes. Rather, he or she is someone who keeps coming back to God and relying on His mercy every time they fail. At the end of the day, it's God's mercy that helps us to stand on our feet again. Amen. Praise God. We have a wonderful God. More than 1,000 years after David died, God would send His Son, Jesus Christ, to, to be born from the line of David. No matter how much you think you've messed up, God's mercy is greater than your sin. So come before God today. The good news is you don't need to be perfect to come before God. 
there's already a perfect one, and His name is Jesus. He's our atonement, our sacrifice, our righteousness, and our salvation. Praise God. Today, we can come before God through the blood of Jesus. So let's come before Him today and put our hope in Him. Praise God. Pastor JB. Can we give Carmen a big hand here in this place together right now? Let's thank God as well. I want to thank Carmen for that powerful and clear message today. I don't feel like I have much to add to that. The fact is that we all need a Savior. His name is Jesus. And it's up to us how we're going to respond to Him. So I'm going to encourage you, since we're talking about three R's today, is why don't you turn neighbor and say, are you ready? Tell them right now. Are you ready? I know that's corny, but it's true. we got to get ready because the condition of your heart matters so much when it comes to how we respond to God and if we receive anything from Him. And so with that in mind, I was going to ask everyone to stand. Hannah and the team, they're going to lead you in a song. And let's make this our moment to draw near to God. And after that, I'm going to lead you in prayer. You know, I'm trying to imagine that scene in my head where David, knowing for so long that he's been covering up his mistakes and done a lot of stuff that in his heart he regrets and no one else fully knows the struggle that's in his heart. And finally, his friend Nathan comes to him. And Nathan, he, in his own way, because he's his friend, he's on David's side, he comes comes to David and he, he basically helps him to bring that sin to God. And I, I just try to imagine that scene where, where David, he's like, I've sinned. I've messed up. I admit it now. I admit it. I admit it. I messed up. I'm sorry. I've messed up. I'm sorry to God. I'm sorry to you, Nathan. I'm sorry. I, like, there's so many people I'm sorry to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, like, I don't have words to say how sorry I am. And, and just he's, he's mourning. He's crying. He's, he's weeping because of his sin. Because it's like, it's just like when you love God and you mess up that way, it's, it's not just a, a thing where you just kind of callously go away. But eventually it catches up to you. And eventually you're like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, you know, I love what Nathan does. Nathan goes up to him and he says, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. But then when he says this this one thing, he says, but the son born to you will die. There's a part of me that thinks that maybe, maybe just maybe, when Nathan said, but the son born to you will die, he wasn't necessarily just talking about the son that we born to him that was already born. Maybe it wasn't he was even talking about that son. Maybe, just maybe, he was talking about a son that will be born to him one day who would die not just for David's sins, but for your sins, my sins as well. Maybe, just maybe, when we look at the Old Testament with the New Testament lens, we can see that when Nathan says to David, you're not going to die for your sin because a son will be born to you who will die for your sin. He was talking about Jesus Christ. He was talking about a son who will be born to him one day who's known as the son of David. His name is Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. 
until when we had no way of getting to God, God sent Jesus Christ to be our Savior, to reach for us when we couldn't reach for Him. And so if you are here and you realize you need a Savior, if you're like, you know what, I'm sorry, God, for my sin. I don't want to live in that way anymore. I need a Savior. I need God. I need forgiveness. If that's you, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to God right now with every head bowed, with every eye closed. I want to encourage you right now, whether you're here on site or you're here online, I want to encourage you right now to respond to God. Let's put you and God right now. And if you realize that you need God's mercy and you need, you need God's forgiveness, then know that God is not just a righteous judge, but he's also your friend. He's also a God of compassion. He's also your loving father. He's also full of mercy toward you. And if you would open up your heart to him today, there's forgiveness waiting for you today. His name is Jesus. Would you just lift up your hand to God right now if that's you? If you need his forgiveness today for sin, if you want to ask Jesus to be your savior today, I just encourage you to lift your hand to God if you're here on site. One of our team members may come to you with a little card. Those of you online, you can do the same thing. You lift your hand as well, but I also encourage you to touch that link in your chat room right now because it's our way of praying to God and asking God for his mercy and forgiveness. Would you click the link that's in your chat room right now? This is our way of just coming before God right now and saying, God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. And praise God that long before I ever knew that I needed forgiveness, you said a son would die. And that son is Jesus Christ. And I want to receive into my life. If that's you, lift up your hand to God. Lift up your heart to God. And let's pray this prayer together right now. Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus thank you that because you love me, because you, love me you died on the cross, on the cross to, pay for my sins. to pay for my sins. You rose again, you rose again to give me life. To give me life. Today, Today, I open up my heart. And I ask you, please forgive me of all my sin and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, then the Bible says, not because of any good thing you've done in your past that causes you to deserve it, but all because long before you ever did anything, Jesus died on the cross for you. Because of that, because you received that today, you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. You are one who's now brought into relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ has done. And we want to encourage you since, you know, the Bible says believe and be baptized. We want to encourage you don't just believe today and do that, but we encourage you to take the next step and get baptized. Baptism is not a graduation. It's just your next step. It's a beginning step. It's you simply saying, I know I'm a sinner who needs a Savior, but I thank Jesus for being my Savior. Thanks for dying on the cross for me. And that's what we did. We did that on Sunday, this past Sunday, at Baptism Sunday. It was an amazing Sunday. And uh, we, we can do that for you as well. You can go to mythrob.info, press the baptism button right now. Can we give God a big hand today and thank God for this morning? Praise God. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Thrive. My name is Marizal, and please let me spend a few minutes to go through some announcements of you and what's coming up here at Thrive. If this is your first time here, we would love to connect with you. We want to give you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle to thank you for spending your time with us. Simply visit mythrive.info and click new to Thrive or text new to 604 We will mail the water bottle straight to your mailing address. If you're on site with us at La Ponte Place, we're so honored you're here. You can pick up your gifts at the Welcome Center by the Exodore after the service. 
this Christmas, we want to invite you to become a gift giver by participating in Thrive's Christmas Hamper Drive. This is a perfect way to share the love of God and the joy we have in Jesus. That's why we want to invite you to take part of this hopeful project by personally sponsoring one or more Christmas wish list from the 10 low-income families that we're helping. The deadline of the Christmas hamper drive is by the end of this week, Thrive Family. Let's practice generosity this Christmas. Visit mythrive.info to sign up today. Speaking of Christmas, we want to ask you to save the date for this year's Christmas at Thrive happening on Sunday, December 25th. We can't wait to celebrate Christmas with you this year on the Christmas Day. Stay tuned for more information. Last but not least, we want to encourage you to get plugged in at Thrive by joining a small group or by being part of a serving team. This is the best way to meet new friends and to develop meaningful relationships with other Thrivers. To sign up, visit mythrive.info. That is all for the announcements today. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings online at mythrive.info. We look forward to seeing you again next Sunday. Stay blessed.